Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where you can drop out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Book number 36, Last Chance. Will Peter choose Amy or Joanna? Well, these questions are often uh, very interesting, and this one, Will Peter Choose Amy or Joanna, involves a couple of characters that our listeners have no idea who they are. Hi! Um, well, let's talk about who we are. <laughs> I'm your host, Marissa Vlaxbart, and with me is another Marissa. I'm, I'm your name twin. Yes! Would you care to introduce yourself? I am Marissa Wasalek-Stewart. I am... Um, we're old friends. Yeah! <laughs> I am no one of importance. I'm just just the person that you knew in Chicago back in the day. That's kind of how the show works, you know? It's a cast of people that I know in my life. (laughs) It's more fun. I could talk to, like, famous strangers, but I would rather talk to people that I know. (laughs) Because you know that the books mean more to us, I think. I hope so. Um, Well, these books, I think actually more than most guests of Sweet Valley Diaries, these books actually do mean something to you, right? Well, yeah, well, okay, so, yeah, let's talk about me. Um, (laughs) I work for a nonprofit that um, provides educational essentials to children in need. It's called First Book, if y'all want to look it up, it's firstbook.org. Basically, everything that a child needs to learn, including books, we provide it. Um, If they're 70% or low-income communities, um, we provide those educational. educational essentials for free or for a low cost. So I actually am very well versed in um, middle grade and uh, young adult fiction, even though I'm 37 years old and I should really be reading like some sort of like finance book or like something. I don't know. I'm sure many of our <laughs> listeners can relate as I'm sure a lot of them are 37, 47 or whatever age. And um, also are, are obviously still a little bit interested in the world of Sweet Valley, as you and I both are. Well, uh, I think what I love about these books mostly is that it just takes me back to the time where I was like 12, 13, and just discovering the world. And um, these books really sort of like put me in the world of a teenager, even though I had no idea what being a teenager was like. <laughs> and That's a, such a good observation. You know, we talk a lot about the uh, the first page of the book, 12 and up, you know, recommended for ages 12 and up, and thinking about these 12-year-olds like, oh, God, this is, sometimes it's, maybe not this one so much, but sometimes it feels like racy or serious content for 12-year-olds. But yeah, 12-year-olds are like trying to daydream about what it would be like to be To have a boyfriend. boyfriend to, yeah. to have a car. To, yeah, to have a, a Fiat Spider or a Toyota Corolla, whatever kind of car you would... She does make a lot of comments about, like, the kinds of cars and, yeah. like... Yeah. I, and, yeah, reading it now from an adult lens, it's... Uh, I put so much more into... I remember reading them as a kid and I put so much more into it, like, whoa, this is what life as an adult is like. And I look, read it now and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't even know kids who live like that. <laughs> yeah. That's the scary thing to me sometimes with some of the books where I'm like, oh no, what were little 12-year-olds or 13-year-olds thinking about society and culture and life? What did they learn lessons from this book? This book, however, Last Chance, I don't feel quite so uh, worried about. I don't yeah. know. I think something is happening to me, Marissa. The past couple of books, I've been just like, 
in love with. This one <laughs> and the previous book, number 35, I was just like delighted. Like I was eating it up. Like I, I was so, there's so rich with um, like comeuppance. And, yeah. <laughs> like, complex characters. Characters who we have in some cases like never really met before. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the cover, okay. which will be our first introduction to some of these characters. Okay. No Wakefields on the cover of this book. Zero Wakefields. Yeah. Even though Amy does really look like a Wakefield. She does. Amy and, Sutton, who has moved to Sweet Valley Should we rewind like, and recently. just, and, and talk, I mean, talk about who... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times on the Sweet Valley Diaries, when we start describing the cover, we jump into, like, the nitty-gritty without even painting the, the background. And I, I feel bad for the for the gladiators, <laughs> the listeners, um, for that. But, so Amy, yeah, she's a cheerleader. Yes, she's a blonde cheerleader. She's, yes. you know, little little vapid. And when Amy made her big debut, like, back ten books or so ago, Elizabeth, it was clear that, like, Amy and Elizabeth were good friends once upon a time, but then Amy when she reappeared in Sweet Valley, was, like, more of a Jessica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Elizabeth was not that interested. Mm-hmm. Um, although she's not even up they to They bring Jessica's that up a lot, level. actually, yeah. in book 36, how they yeah. used to be friends, but now she's more Jessica's friend. Yeah, and Elizabeth <laughs> wonders how she could ever have ever liked someone like Amy. But even Enid likes Amy in a way. Yeah. So the main character at the center of this book, though, is a totally new person who is the sister of also a totally new person. Mm-hmm. So her name is Joanna... Porter. Mm-hmm. And... And her sister is Julia Porter. Yeah, Julie Porter. Julie Porter, who is a violinist and... Like a piano... Yeah. Uh, and at the prodigy. Be- at the beginning of this book, the book talked about how recently she performed at this cabaret, and, like, no one had known how good she was, uh, and Julie Porter, the violinist, who was mm-hmm. not a major character in this book, mm-hmm. until the cabaret. They were describing it exactly the way these books always describe what happened in a previous book or a couple books ago. Yeah. That did not happen. Oh. We did not get that book. <laughs> There's no cabaret, Julie Porter playing the violin book. It was like, well, how can we make it seem like Julie Porter has been going to this school the whole time? Uh, <laughs> Let's invent a cabaret that Winston and Julie were partners at. Yeah. Maybe there's some book that is, like, an interstitial that I haven't read yet. Oh, maybe but, there's, like, a yeah. 22 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will eat my words, but I imagine I'll find it somewhere, someday. So, oh, but Julie is not on the cover. Julie is not on the cover. Actually, the, when yeah. I'm... Okay, so I'm looking at this cover, and I read the Kindle version, so I didn't see the cover, oh. actually. So the... Whoever, I'm assuming that this is Joanna on the yes. cover, looking disdainly at um, at uh, Peter, her crush, um, holding on to Amy in the center of yeah. everything. I imagined Joanna, because they kept saying she had dark hair yeah. and green eyes, and I imagined her to look like Grecian in a way. Yeah. They did describe her skin as being like alabaster or something. Yes. Which, porcelain. Like, yeah. Very, very pale skin and waist length. She thick, didn't dark need hair. makeup. She didn't wear makeup. And she had yeah. dark eyelashes. <laughs> yes. She was so, weirdly very beautiful. Pretty. Yeah. Yes. Which also, uh, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm skipping ahead. That's okay. <laughs> but like all the girls couldn't imagine how um, Peter, who's super smart, would even look at Joanna, who's breathtakingly beautiful 
Yeah, it's, it's very unsweet valley. You think that the girls who care so much about their appearance and attracting guys would like connect the dots that a guy might be attracted to a beautiful girl, no matter how dumb she may or may not be. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Joanna, despite being the main character of this book, is like hidden back in the corner in the of the corner. <laughs> looking at Amy, who's front and center, being uh, held lovingly by a very concerned looking super hunk. Um, With glasses. That's how you know he's smart. He's like a very (laughs) 80s, like, Sears catalog kind of a hunk with glasses and He honestly looks like mid-30s. This is not a teenage man. No, no. (laughs) But in the book, he is a senior. Okay. So he's He's headed for MIT. (laughs) His name is Peter DeHaven. Mm-hmm. And he and Amy are dating. That's what we find out at the beginning of the book. We find out a couple things. Peter and Amy are dating. And Amy... Which is also something no one can really believe. Yeah, because it, like basically Peter's main character trait is that he's very smart. He's really good at science. And as we get further into the book, we find out another thing. Elizabeth observes that Peter's main interest seems to be Peter. Yeah. you know, Elizabeth is not the only one who notices that. No. Yes. But thankfully... Joanna notices that somewhere yeah. in the middle of the book. Right. <laughs> Joanna does not appear right off the bat in the book. First, Joanna's first appearance is like in rumor, because in the same breath at the outset of the book that Amy waltzes in and talks about how she's so excited about this party she's going to throw because the big PTA dance is coming up. Oh, yeah, the big PTA dance. It was <laughs> yeah. the parent-teacher association yeah. dance. <laughs> and Amy is like, I'm going to throw a party beforehand. Isn't that exciting? And it's going to be the first party Peter and I are co-hosting and everybody's like who's peter yeah. it's like well we've been dating and like peter to haven yes and yeah. they couldn't believe that she was dating peter haven because he was so super smart yeah and, and she was not yeah it's like amy what do you care about science and she's like science <laughs> like i don't let's talk about something else like she's <laughs> she is not interested in science she i guess peter just must be a hunk you know yeah, well, I mean, they do go at great lengths to talk about his dark hair and eyes, and, you know, yeah. he's tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah. And he happens to be smart. It doesn't matter if you can't understand what he talks about. That's true. And he seems, like, sort of devoted to Amy, but it's more the other way around. Yeah. Amy, like, is really in love with Peter. I think she's really in love with having a boyfriend. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if Amy is capable of love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're an Elizabeth on, on Amy. <laughs> Elizabeth on everything, I think, but definitely on Amy. Um, Elizabeth makes a great showing in this particular book. She does. She stands up for her friend who she's known for 20 minutes. Yeah, and Jessica (laughs) is a real bitch. Jessica. I Okay, I still believe that I am a Jessica at heart, but dude, they just shoved her into this story. They're like, we need a role for Jessica. Yeah. How about she stirs some trouble? Right. Well, we'll put a pin in Jessica, but we will definitely get there because it's (laughs) I was disappointed in her. I usually love Jessica. I love her carefree ways and how she doesn't believe in dating just one boy. (laughs) She's got some great quotes in this one. Yeah. It's very hard not to talk about Jessica and her crazy bee story, but I mean, it's such an exciting book that it's hard not to just want to talk about all of it at once. Dive right in. Luckily, despite being completely unrelated at the outside, the A and B stories do merge, dovetail sort of nicely toward Mm -hmm. the end of the book. But the big news, other than that Amy and Peter Davin are a couple, and Amy's having a PTA dance pre-party, 
is that Joanna Porter is having the audacity to return to high school. How dare she? Yeah. How dare she try and work in the real world? She should be a senior, mm-hmm. but she dropped out of school, I don't know, like, before, so her mom died recently, like six months ago, Joanna and Julie Porter's mom was killed in a car accident. Mm-hmm. This is all news that's dropped on us very horribly at the all, of the book. Yes, things that, like, the very beginning, it's just, uh, Julia. Julie? Julie. Julie. Um, she is talking to Jessica and, uh, all of their friends and just saying, well, my sister's coming back. Yeah. And <laughs> th- these teens are awful about it. Amy says something like, oh, I would just be mortified if my sister came back to the junior class. And Elizabeth is like, Amy, shut the fuck up. Like, she's really, she doesn't say that. But she's just, <laughs> but she does snap you at can, Amy. You can tell that yeah. she, Which, she's had enough of Amy. But this seems to be the majority opinion at Sweet Valley High, at least in the junior class, that like, oh my god, it's so embarrassing to be coming back to and school. Even Joanna is a little embarrassed that she Definitely. even went back and tried. Yeah. First she, time we see her, she's looking in the mirror and asking herself, why am I even here? Yeah, she's in the bathroom, like the, the high school bathroom, which is such a, like, I don't know, iconic kind so of... So much happens in that yeah, girl's bathroom. Especially in 80s high school. <laughs> yes. Kids are probably smoking in there. <laughs> um, let's talk for a second about the Porter family, because this is a kind of an interesting dynamic, what's going on in okay. the Porter house. The dad is... He's a classical... Um, musician he's a violinist at the la symphony which doesn't yeah. really exist but that's okay um <laughs> it's the la philharmonic but they, they were making up a fake la symphony it's i mean fine. yeah it's sweet fine. valley isn't really there so exactly <laughs> um and the daughter's a really great musician the mom was also really smart so everybody in the porter household is really like humanities and music smart mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to they so they have some level of success in the arts because like they live in luxury mostly they they talk yeah. about how they have a um they have a housekeeper who's kind of a live-in housekeeper yeah, simone <laughs> wow simone doesn't get any lines but i noticed the name because i was just like they took a moment a, to yeah it was to such name a throwaway <laughs> like she didn't need to exist so the only reason for her to exist is to paint a picture of like a relatively affluent family yeah Yeah. and we only see julie um you know at a grand piano uh when she's home oh that's she's a pianist she's not a violinist her dad's a violinist Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're they're affluent i don't know what the mom was doing but obviously even after she passes she made enough money to keep the family afloat yeah. In their luxury life. Yeah. Unless, like, I, I unless, like, I don't know, there's some sort of trust fund or something. Yeah, maybe. That's entirely can... possible. So Joanna is at this interesting place where, despite being the firstborn, she's older than Julie, she is the, like, black sheep, kind of, because she's not really good at music, and she feels like nobody in her family cares about any achievement she could possibly make because she's not good at music. Her mom was supportive of her, like, someday you'll find your thing. And, but then her mom died and she lost that support system. But she did drop out of school before her mom died. She was getting, like, C's and D's. She hated it there. She felt like she was bad at everything. So she left and she went to do something kind of interesting. I'm going to read. Ooh, I think I highlighted the same part. All right. Honestly, I I was very impressed with the way that... uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> they talked about life in the real world. Because you're all ready for this book to be really judgy about what it was like, but it's not. So I'm going to read what she was doing. So much had happened since the day that she had walked out of Sweet Valley High, supposedly for good. Her green eyes filled with tears, remembering her mother's accident, the funeral, the long, numb days at work, first one job and then another, and none of them working out until she ended up waitressing at the Whistle Stop, a cafe out on Route 1. Joanna had been living a life that few of her classmates would be able to fathom. She had worked long, hard hours, had grown accustomed to earning money, to working with people much older than she was, many of them from backgrounds entirely different from her own. She sighed now, running the hairbrush automatically through her hair. It had been a far cry from the narrow, protected lifestyle she and Julie had always known. It was funny how relative everything was. In school, Joanna had always felt like the dummy, the one with bad grades, the one who couldn't keep up. But at the whistle stop, everyone treated her with respect. The other waitresses always asked her how to spell things or to check a bill to see if it was added correctly. They hadn't thought of her as dumb, Joanna thought bitterly. But here... And then some bitchy girls come in and they're like, oh, you're back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that... That um, part stuck out to me, too, because I assumed that there would be more of that, more of that comparison between, like, oh, well, this is high school, and I've been out in the real world, so you don't really know what... But but we don't see a lot of that. Like, we still keep... She still keeps caring about... um, her peers is in in the, even the even people especially people who aren't close to her or her friends or anything she, she like she overhears people talking about her yeah because everybody is so scandalized and the, the word around the school about joanna is that she's dumb like she flunked out of school because she was stupid and now she's still stupid and that's just the idea that people have that's like her reputation yeah so i guess i feel like this scene and a lot of the book serves to show that actually joanna is not stupid at all she has clearly she has a lot of like street smarts or whatever. <laughs> she's intelligent in a way that, like, out in the real world, people can ask her... Pr- like, she has a practical intelligence. And we find out as the book unfolds that she actually is really good at a lot of stuff. And maybe we find out with, like, math and science that she might actually just have been under-stimulated. She's too smart. Yeah. Yeah. So she was doing bad in her, like, math classes because she was bored, so she wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. At one point in the book, Stephen Wakefield comes home from college and he's trying to do some kind of special spatial problems that he cannot figure out. And Joanna's like, oh, I always thought these were fun. I did these for fun. And Stephen and Elizabeth are like, oh, my God. Yeah, and she's like, do, 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 yeah. do. Watch me do this. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Here's your college homework back. Yeah. <laughs> and a similar thing happens through the course of the book with chemistry. Like, she's has an aptitude for that. So Mr. Russo, the chemistry teacher, like, she's the only one that gets an A on this hard test. Everybody else does poorly. Mm -hmm. And she sets the curve with, like, a 92. Mm -hmm. So um, once people start noticing that, there's a little bit of, like, I don't know how nobody saw this sooner, but you're really good at this. And so secretly, she gets a little bit of motivation from that. But it's, that's a, not even, like, the main thrust of what's going on with Joanna. That is, like, a yeah. distant Joanna <laughs> undercurrent. Has, yeah. <laughs> Joanna has some issues with uh, uh, 
her self-confidence, for one. Yeah. Um, Because she kind of believes that she's dumb. Yeah, she believes what everybody says. Mm -hmm. But she's been out in the real world and saw that there are people who are dumber than her, and that makes her feel better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You put it that way. Like, that's why she wants to go back to the whistle stop. She's like, yes. like there. I'm smarter than everybody. <laughs> I want to be the big fish in the small pond. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't help that Joanna has this big crush on Peter DeHaven. That she's carried with her. I guess they were childhood friends or something? Yeah. They've known yeah. each other a very long time. And he never considered her as anything more than a friend. We discover. Um, yeah. That, uh, gosh, can we talk about Peter? Yeah, let's talk about Peter. I have a lot of thoughts on Peter. Let me, let's start talking about Peter by introducing, like, Joanna laying eyes on him. Okay. I mean, in a way, this is kind of the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. Because this is a mega boy. <laughs> a beautiful boys, a beautiful boys. I'm in danger of losing my His moment in the sun is not going to last long. He's going <laughs> to, he's going to get knocked down a few pegs pretty soon. Okay. She found a quiet corner and was about to take a magazine out of her shoulder bag and pretend to absorb herself in it when she saw someone who made her stomach do a cartwheel. It was Peter DeHaven. For as long as she could remember, Joanna had had a crush on Peter. They had known each other since they were kids, and in grade school, they used to spend hours playing with Peter's toy chemistry lab. Joanna admired him more than anyone she knew. Even when she was little, she knew there was something special about him. He was so smart and so sure of himself. He could do anything. Um, Yeah, so that's like Peter's first appearance. And they grew apart. And, you know, he comes over and starts talking to her. And like really quickly asks her out to go to this like Like canyon drive. Yeah, Yeah. like he's going to Las Palmas, I think it's called. Yeah. To like... He's trying to, he's entering some contest. Meet up with a college friend. He wants, yeah, for advice on a computer program he's writing. Yeah. And And this is before cell phones, so that makes a lot of sense. that's true. And one, before email, even. And one reason why I say it doesn't help Joanna that she's met Peter and, and is so enamored with him is because Peter is so intelligent that it keeps on reinforcing this thing in Joanna's mind of like, well... He's so smart and I'm so dumb, mm-hmm. which is something that she brings on herself, but he's not helping with yeah. his general attitude. Yeah. So, please. Yeah. Expound on, yeah. on Peter DeHaven. <laughs> well, I had a lot of thoughts about Peter DeHaven because I, at first I felt like, oh, he's just a misunderstood brainiac. Um, but like when we first, when we first meet Peter, it's um, because he's with Amy. In the very beginning. And and everyone's, like, so impressed with him because everybody knows that he's so smart. Right. Um, And... We find out really quickly that he's got everything all lined up. Like, he's going to go to MIT next year. He's been accepted early acceptance. Mm -hmm. Now he's trying to win this He's going to take some classes at Harvard because, you know. (laughs) Right. And one of... He's teaching middle schoolers a special science course. And one of the reasons why Joanna says she likes spending time with him is because he has his shit so together Mm -hmm. that it's just nice to know that someone could have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) But Peter has his faults. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Number one, he's so full of himself. He knows he's the shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, 
we realize when he starts talking, when he's, when he comes out with Joanna and he's just, you know, he gets so excited about his computer programs and all he does is talk about himself. And even Joanna's like, I wish he would talk, he would ask me yeah. how I was doing. From the very beginning, while she's still really, like, enamored of him, enamored mm-hmm. with him, anyway, when she's still, in, like, in love with him, she is thinking... I, I just wish that he would ask me about me a little bit more. But I mean, her mom did just die. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, oh, by the way, this is just a little backstory that we got early on as the audience. Nobody else knows. But the reason that Joanna has gone back to school is because she found her mom's old journal after her mom died. Mm-hmm. And a little tiny passage in it, her mom talks about how much she wished Joanna would go back to school. But she doesn't want to meddle. She's not going to tell her what to do. But it just breaks my heart that she... Um, is kind of throwing her life away or whatever. I wish she would. Mm -hmm. But then she goes on, and it's just like a little passage, and Joanna thinks of it as like one last thing she can do for her mom to go back to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's really, you can tell she's really shaken up because she was really close to her mom, but I I guess it sounded like, in the very beginning, it sounded like they had had a fight before she had died. And so she's like really looking for that lost connection. I wonder what those assholes at Sweet Valley High would think if they knew the real reason that Joanna was... Well, they just can't see past how dumb Joanna is. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't feel like she actually did flunk out of school either. She was getting C's and D's. She didn't like... She was bored, I think. I think she was just bored with high school. She could have passed on to senior year, I'm sure, if she wanted to. She just didn't... She was... Yeah. Yeah. She was over it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good thing she came back into junior year because then we get a whole nother year of her <laughs> in the books if we really yeah. want to. You know? <laughs> we need some more, you know, Joanna in our lives. I yeah. really like Joanna, uh, but we were talking yeah. about Peter. <laughs> yeah. Like Peter always does. <laughs> yeah. So he drives out. And did you notice this part where he's talking about his computer program in the car? And he says, he's talking, he's trying to win this prize. He wants the honor. He says, it's not even the prize, though. It's the honor. I've looked forward to entering this content since I was about 10. And he goes on to say, they give the first prize winner a scholarship to use at the college of his choice. Or her choice, Joanna said suddenly. (laughs) Peter stared at her, then turned back to look at the road. Yes, he said. Or her choice. He was quiet for a minute. You don't seem the sort, he added strangely. What sort, Joanna asked him. You know, the sort who cares about using his instead of his and hers. That sort of thing. Peter looked uneasy, as if he were on unsteady ground. Which he is. Right. That's red flag number two, Joanna. (laughs) Number one, he talks about himself. Number two, he's a a closet misogynist. (laughs) Joanna bit her lip. She was thinking how strange it was for Peter to decide what sort she was at all, when he had never asked her a single thing about herself. But she didn't want to argue with him. She liked him, despite the fact that he was undeniably wrapped up in himself. (laughs) So she knows. She's just like, I can't help how I feel. And that's kind of the thing. So, and this this spirals because it's like, she knows that Amy exists. She, but she's so excited about Peter. It's like, finally, something to make school more bearable. Yeah. And Amy is out of town Mm -hmm. the weekend that... The, uh, Peter is asking Joanna to go on this drive. Okay, that's red flag number one. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was highlighting yeah. all kinds of red flags yeah. about Peter. Red right. flag number one is like, I can't talk to you unless my girlfriend isn't around. Right. Number two, all I do is talk about myself. Number three, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he's a misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> Secret closet misogynist, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then, but you know, he's discovering things about himself too, which we, yeah. 
<laughs> well, should and, learn in later chapters. <laughs> yeah. The the thing about this is that at first I can understand Joanna being willing to give Peter the benefit of the doubt with the whole Amy thing. I mean, as a teenager, I'm sure I would have done the same thing. Like, oh, well, he's dating this girl, but he doesn't really like her or he wouldn't ask me out. And she's, you know, he's going to break up with her when she gets back from the mountains. But when she tells, when Joanna tells Julie, like, she just can't hold it back anymore. Like, we're going we're gonna to go on this drive to Las Palmas. It's like 20 miles away. And Julie's like, uh, he has a girlfriend. Like, I, that seems like a bad idea. And Joanna just, she's so caught up in her, like, inferiority complex with the family that she's just like, Julie, why can't you let me have this one thing? Like, she's really lashes out at Julie, mm-hmm. who, is, who is just trying to say, I'm just trying to protect your feelings. Like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. But Joanna just can't see it that way. Well, uh, trying to think of teenage Marissa. Teenage me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it applies to teenage Marissa me too. <laughs> I would have, um, I, I would have rationalized like it's just a drive we're just hanging out like he's looking for friends and i need friends so yeah you know we don't see that like it could have ended up with just like okay we go for a drive and we meet his friend and then we come back and we're just friends but that's not how it turns out he kisses her yeah he does this is a negative flag because like we're taking a flag away i'm giving i'm taking away one of peter's red flags (laughs) because before he kisses her he says to her he asks, can I kiss you? He asks if he can kiss her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is but very progressive for 1987 or whatever. He kisses her before she can respond. Oh. All right. <laughs> flag back again. <laughs> 1987, we're still in. Yeah. But she did want to be kissed. Well, so. yeah. I mean, she was given the signals, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. So she's so in love, but of course, and she hasn't seen how Peter's going to behave when Amy's around. Yeah. So what else is going on with Joanna? Elizabeth is tutoring her in English. Yes. And so that's how Joanna and Elizabeth kind of get to know each other. Yes. And she confides in Elizabeth about this thing with Peter. So, okay. The whole... (laughs) I have a a suspicion of what you might be about to say, but I'm going to let you say it. I'm just... How did they become such good friends so fast? I, oh. I'm just like, I know that we need to insert the twins in the story somewhere because it's, it's not their story. Um, but she has, she has a sister who's good at English, but she That's doesn't true. ask her sister for help. The, her teacher puts her together with the best person in the class, which is Elizabeth. Yeah. But then, so they're talking about short stories and then she's like, I'm going to tell you about this, this secret that I don't want anyone to know. But I know that she's like really lonesome and Elizabeth is probably the only person who's nice to her. And so she's going to confide in her. But at the same time, I just felt it unbelievable that someone so guarded and so, um, um, unsure about themselves would volunteer information like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, and that's where these books always do this thing of making Elizabeth the conscience of Sweet Valley High. So anybody can talk to her, and she's the, like, sometimes the lone voice of reason in the whole school, it seems. Mm -hmm. So I think that Joanna, the only way we can explain it away is to say that Joanna just can tell that Elizabeth is, like, Um, a shoulder to cry on, a listening ear, and that she would give good advice, which she does. But what I thought you were going to say before was, 
what on earth is Elizabeth thinking when she tells... When she tells Jessica? Yes. So she's like... Like, she you know your twin. Yeah. She has a secret, and she's, there's this whole big thing where she swears Elizabeth... I'm sorry. Where Elizabeth swears Jessica to secrecy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? You Why? Everybody trusts Jessica in this book as if they've never met Jessica before. <laughs> right. It's so weird. <laughs> Even at the end of the book, we're like, we've just been Jessica. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. So Elizabeth, like, <laughs> makes Jessica swear up and down that she won't tell the secret before she even tells Jessica the secret, which is... Even though Peter and Amy are dating, Peter went on this date with Joanna. And I think I'm worried about Joanna because if he hurts her feelings, and they're all acting with reason. Apparently it's true that if Joanna's cart gets upset at all, she's going to be out of school again. Mm -hmm. And um, her metaphorical apple cart. (laughs) (laughs) Her emotional apple cart. Uh, So, like, I I don't... Yeah. Like, we all know that Jessica is... um, notorious for gossiping yeah. and and Amy is one of her best friends. Right. Why would you tell the person It's <laughs> a terrible idea. I mean and and you know that that's going to interrupt the trust that you just built with a person who you know is shaky on shaky ground. Right. With yeah. trust issues. The book, definitely... But I realized that Elizabeth is 16. She is, yeah. <laughs> it's just, she. the book makes it seem like Elizabeth didn't do anything wrong. Like, when, when there is a moment when this all, the shit all hits the fan, that Joanna is really, accuses Elizabeth of, of betraying her trust, and Elizabeth doesn't understand and is immediately really mad at Jessica. We'll get there when we get there. But the thing is, Elizabeth did betray Joanna's trust. Yes. Because she told the, like, the worst person she could have told. She didn't tell Enid about it. She didn't tell Jeffrey. She, it was like the bo- people you can like, trust. Yeah. She yes. made, they made a whole big deal about how she didn't tell a soul about it, except her twin sister. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know you can't tell Jessica a secret. Yeah. And Jessica kept a secret for a long time, actually. In Jessica but, time? Yeah. yeah. That was... <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> but I like... Well, okay, let's talk about Jessica. Yeah, so like, Elizabeth's not the only one that is forgetting what Jessica is like in, in this book, because poor Kara Walker yes. and Stephen. Okay. All right. Back a few books ago, Jessica was really scheming to get Kara and Stephen together, even before Stephen's old girlfriend died of cancer. <laughs> so that's where we're starting with this. Okay. Now... Jessica feels like Kara has changed. Or how did this come across to you, reading reading this book and having not read a Sweet Valley book in a while? It just sounded to me that Jessica was bored and yeah. wanted to throw a bomb into the... Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all talking about, like, who they're going to go to this PTA dance with. Right. And Kara's like, oh, I think Steven's going to be home, so I'll be able to go with him. And Jessica's like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my brother. Yeah. <laughs> but not literally. <laughs> like, he's so boring. And... So she starts telling Kara that like Stephen is gonna is take gonna take you for granted if you're always sitting around waiting for him. So yeah. in some ways, I get Jessica. She's not wrong. Um, in like in the grand scheme of things, I feel like you know she has the right idea to be like you should. We you're young. You should be dating around yeah. and doing your thing. She has a couple of amazing quotes. Like one of them is. <laughs> Um, here, I I posted a couple of these screenshots I saw it, on Instagram. And I'm like, I highlighted it too. Well, it was Valentine's <laughs> Day, so I felt like it was appropriate because I was reading this book on Valentine's Day. We both were. Yeah. First, Kara, now Elizabeth, she thought, sighing. What was it that could make a 16 year old girl want to ruin her social life by going out with only one guy? 
And then later on she says, uh, like after her scheme is in motion, I told you, Jessica said with obvious satisfaction, what could possibly be more stupid than turning down a date? Unless it's with someone horrible, she added. <laughs> so that's Jessica's mindset. Yeah. I mean, I can get behind that. I mean, she's looking out for number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I, I think she honestly thinks that she is being helpful yes. by ruining her brother and good friend's relationship. That is the big way in which this book doesn't totally throw Jessica under the bus, is that it reminds us time and time again that Jessica genuinely thinks Stephen and Carol will thank her for, like, saving them from having their relationship go stale, from, like, if it was really this shaky in the first place, then it, it, they should have broken up anyway, like, mm-hmm. all all of this. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, she might have a point. Well, like, she says that at the, she says that, she's like, I was testing your the yeah. waters. yeah. But I think she just made that up in yeah. the in the moment. Right. Well, like, and Gladiator says you can surmise. What she does is she, she basically t- tells, like, not outright lies, but, like, makes these insinuations separately to both Stephen and Kara that the other one has been seeing other people. Mm-hmm. Like, while they're apart. They're, or if they're if they haven't been, then they're interested in and in seeing other guys. And when Stephen, for example, asks Jessica, like, "What do you mean she's been seeing other guys?" Jessica says, "Like her true feelings, Jessica's true feelings, which are, well, Stephen, you can't expect her to just wait around for you all the time. Like, what do you think? She's just like sitting in her room waiting for you to come home, staying home every night." Which is what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Jessica doesn't think it should be, and she has a point, I guess. But I mean, yeah. they like each other a lot, so that's how. Yeah, relationship. Well, Jessica's work. never really been yeah. in a real relationship. Oh, the book even says that she hates the word relationship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love. So she just doesn't have that per- perspective. <laughs> yeah, and then Kara to Kara, he she implies that Stephen probably is going out with other girls while he's a, away at college. Mm-hmm. And Kara's like, "Did he tell you that?" And she's like, "Well, no, but I mean, obviously, he's doing that." So Kara and Steven start having fights. So she's, like, not lying, exactly. She's filling in blanks. It's conjecture, yeah. Yeah. But Kara and Steven are so dumb to not have, (laughs) to not realize what Jessica's doing. Like, nobody, they never stop to say, wait. They never talk to each other. Yeah. They're, they're they only fight. Steven will st- tell Kara, like, I think maybe you just want space. And she's like, well, why are you saying that? Is it because you want space? Like, it's, an, it's a believable argument to have. Like, if my boyfriend came to me and was like, you know, did you want to see other people? Like, if you want to, I guess you can. I would be like, what where do you, does that what come you from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you telling me you want me to see other people? Like, no, no, baby, I'm not. But like... Um, I don't know why my boyfriend talks like that. <laughs> he doesn't exist. It's a total figment of my imagination. I'm making him a total asshole. Oh. Um, yeah. Too much Sweet Valley for me, <laughs> But, yes, a reasonable argument. I could see how this argument happens. Yeah. But they don't talk to each other about, like, well, Jessica said, or blah, 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 or, yeah. you know, they don't talk to each other. They just assume that what Jessica said was real, and then they just ignore each other. Yeah. Therefore, ruining Steve's week back. Yeah. <laughs> and and I didn't really get the motivation that Jessica had. Did she want to hang out with her brother more? Or did she want to hang out with her her friend more? Or, yeah. like, she had spent all this time trying to get them together, and now suddenly she's like, that's boring. Well, I think that despite 
the it's fact that Jessica. a bunch of just a bunch of like Joanna and Peter stuff happens like before this like grades and stuff that we've that we've insinuated I think we can skip ahead to when Jessica tells the secret mm-hmm. because it has a little bit of her motivation in it so let me see if I can find this part so eventually Jessica is talking to Amy about how Kara is not going to the PTA dance with Steven but is instead going to go with Kent Matthews mm-hmm mm. Speaking of boys, I would go to a PTA dance with Ken Matthews. I don't remember Ken Matthews. He's a football jock. Oh. Elizabeth tutored him in English, too. (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised that Elizabeth wasn't going out with Todd at this point. Oh, I know. Todd moved to Vermont. He'll be back. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, gladiators. Todd's (laughs) coming back eventually. Thank Christ. Well, I mean, Todd and Elizabeth were such, like, a staple, like, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. made, because, like, Jessica being the flighty one, Elizabeth, she's happy with one man, and that's yeah. Todd. So I was surprised there was no mention of Todd in this yeah. book. Yeah, and her current boyfriend, Jeffrey French, is just nothing in this book. He doesn't do or say almost anything. I didn't even realize she was dating anyone in this, when <laughs> right. I was reading this. I can understand that. Um, so, first of all, I'm just going to read this from the middle of the book. It seemed appropriate to Jessica that she should be the one to break Stephen and Kara up. After all, she had been the one who had tried to get them together in the first place. She had made a mistake, but now she was making up for it. They were lucky they had Jessica Wakefield to watch out for their welfare. (laughs) So that's one thing. Now let me jump ahead to the part where she's talking to Amy. Um, let's see, where are they? Jessica's, they're in the bathroom. Oh, they're in the bathroom. Okay. Jessica is going to the PTA dance with someone named Rob... He's from Bridgewater. Yeah, Rob Atkins. We don't get much of a physical description of him, sadly. We get that he's blonde and tall. Rob Atkins doesn't sound blonde, does he? No, but uh, somewhere toward the end, and I know this because it's fresh in my mind, um, (laughs) I guess I just finished the book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We see Jessica walking toward Elizabeth at the dance for some reason um, with Rob in tow, and they made a mention of his blonde hair. Oh, um, okay. So, lots of blondes. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jeffrey this French is, is Los Angeles <laughs> in the 80s. I don't think there was anyone but <laughs> aquamarine-eyed blonde girls <laughs> with yeah. freckles on their shoulder. As was my assumption as a young person reading these in Chicago. That all all Californians <laughs> were blonde? Yes. yes. I think a lot of people probably assumed that. Well, I, I, mean, I guess I did. I did. I just assumed that everyone was on the beach. Yeah, and that makes you blonde. And that makes you blonde. Yeah, blonde and tan. <laughs> Jessica basically reveals that she kind of pulled some strings, scheme-wise, some puppet strings, to get Kara and Steven to go to the dance with other people. So she says, Anyway, you can never tell while you're right in the middle of something that things have gotten stale. That's what friends are for, she added complacently. Amy looked horrified. She and Jessica had been good friends ever since the Suttons moved back to Sweet Valley, but Amy hadn't seen many of Jessica's schemes in action. Clearly, this one wasn't to her liking. It's one thing getting two people together, but deliberately breaking Steve and Kara up just because you think they're stale? Jessica didn't like the reproachful look Amy was giving her. Come to think of it, she didn't like Amy's attitude at all. I wouldn't concern myself about it, she said lightly, dropping her eye pencil into her quilted makeup bag. She couldn't resist taking a little jab, so as she walked away, she added, Besides, I think you'd have your own share of problems with Peter running around behind your back like he's been doing lately. There was a stricken expression on Amy's face. 
Peter was her first steady boyfriend at Sweet Valley High, and she was incredibly jealous of other girls. Jessica knew she shouldn't say anything more. Elizabeth had made her swear not to tell a soul that Peter and Joanna had been seeing each other. But she had to get even with Amy for criticizing her plan to break up Stephen and Kara. She just had to. And she does. <laughs> yeah. And she lets it loose. Yeah. And Amy confronts Peter, and Peter pretends like he was just tutoring Joanna. He does not reveal anything. Mm-hmm. And then, so lately I have been noticing a trend when I read these books. I don't know if this happened to you. I should have asked you to, to see if it did, but maybe that would have been priming the pump too much. Sometimes when I'm reading these books, even if I'm in public, I get to a part where I say out loud, oh my God. And so I have been presenting these as the oh my God (laughs) moments of the book. And the oh my God moment of this book comes right around here where I realize that what has happened is that Peter has written a note to Joanna and put it in her locker. Peter made an excuse to leave Amy and hurried down the main corridor to Joanna's locker. He took out a sheet of loose leaf paper, scribbled the following note, folded it up, and pushed it through the slit. Dear Joanna, Amy has found out about us somehow. I don't know what to do, but I'm afraid it's going to be impossible for us to see each other again. I'm sorry, Peter. And then it cuts right to Joanna reading the note once, twice. And I was just, sometimes it's like, oh my god, but this was like, oh my god. (laughs) It kind of seems like it's out of nowhere. But at the same time, he's he's such a shit. He's got this guilt about that kiss that he initiated and asked for and took anyway without permission. Right before (laughs) this, we've had this weird inside look into Peter's head Mm -hmm. that does make you understand him a little bit better. But you're still like, okay, well, if you realize this, then why are you like it? Yeah. Well, you know, why well, are like, you like this? Up up until that point, we don't really see what's, what's like, in Peter's head, because it's all about the computer program that he's putting together, and that's yeah. all the sort of image we get of him. He's, like, he's, he's very driven, he's very single-minded, and he's, you know, very full of himself. Yeah. Um, but this is where we first begin to see that he actually cares about hanging yeah. out with Joanna, and it's not just, like, filling in a blank because Amy is boring and dumb. Yeah, and he even knows that he hasn't been asking her about herself. Yes. And it's just, like, he doesn't know why. He's just not doing it, but he's aware. Like, I'll, I'll guess yeah. I'll, I wasn't planning on reading this, but I might as well, because it's right here. He's saying that he... He knew if he gave himself half a chance, he could come to care about her, which is actually a little tepid. Yeah. He could come to care about her. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I was kind of reading that as he could fall in love with her, but that's not, those are not the words in the book. The wor- See, I'm, I feel like those words are carefully chosen to show that Peter is not capable of love. <laughs> yeah, which the book kind of flat out does <laughs> yeah. toward the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so, but he hadn't given himself a chance Worse, he hadn't given her a chance. He talked nonstop about himself when they were together, feeling the whole time that all he really wanted was to cut all the nonsense, take her in his arms, and drop his defenses. He did want to know about Joanna's feelings. He wanted to ask her how she had managed to pull herself together after her mother's death, how she found the courage to come back to school. But he couldn't do it. He just couldn't, and he didn't know why. He knew Joanna was just about the best thing that had ever happened to him, and he was throwing away the chance to be with her for Amy Sutton, whom he barely liked. (laughs) He's been dating for a couple weeks now, right? And then he (laughs) writes her this note. Like, the very next thing that happens is he writes her this note. So it's like, Peter, you dumb. Like, you know, for as smart as he is. Yeah, he's dumb as hell. (laughs) So during the book, Joanna has a lot of, like, ups and downs, 
about whether her bad feelings are going to make her quit school or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if this is one that's like a final straw or if this is one where she's like, I'm going to show them. This is where she's going to show them. Yeah. Uh, I think she like doubles down and is like, well, you know, I, well, I don't know, because it does break her spirit. I don't re- recall what breaks her spirit, but I I know that she went to gym and she heard the two randos. Yeah. Yvonne White. Yeah, Yvonne. Lisa Howard, probably. Yes, it was Lisa Howard. Um, But Yvonne White stuck out in my brain for some reason. Yvonne is a French-ass name. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um, And they were talking about how dumb she is in gym, because, like, why else would you talk about anything else in the locker room besides... (laughs) Some other person yeah. who might just be listening. And that's when she's like, I can't take this anymore. And just... She just walks out of school. Yeah. yeah. So at some point in here, the dance actually happens. Oh, oh the be- dance happens before she she leaves school. Yeah, and before the dance, she has another one of her meltdowns at home. This one was particularly dramatic. Yeah, she has a couple conversations with her sister, and one of them ends with her being like, you always have to be right about everything. Can't there be one thing that you're not a goddamn expert in? And they're, like, preparing dinner, and then her dad comes home, and he's like, where are my beautiful girls? And Joanna's just, like, crying and running away, and leaving Julie and her dad to be like, oh, I don't know what, like, I don't know what to do. Because Joanna is having a major overreaction. Yeah. But she's just, like, she can't, she feels like she can't talk to her family, so. Yeah sad. I know. And probably pretty realistic for a teen. Yeah. I feel like Joanna's got a lot of mental health issues that she's just not, um, she's thinking that if she ignores, it'll go away. Yeah. You know? Oh, I think one of the last straws might be when she is back in the library and Peter is telling her about the problem that he's been having with his computer program. They haven't talked for a while. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because he says it's a problem with love and intimacy. And she thinks, leave it to Peter to Haven to run into trouble when it comes to love and intimacy. <laughs> she, she should have said out loud, but right. she did not. <laughs> she has an idea. Like, oh, I saw something on Nova. Yeah. <laughs> I love that detail. Nova. Did you ever watch Nova? I did. Yeah, on PBS. I did not have cable, so PBS was... Yeah. We watched a lot of PBS when I was growing up, too. Yeah. I had cable eventually, but not for, like, the first chunk of my childhood and the, by then the PBS thing had already become a yeah become a habit yeah pattern. <laughs> but she gives him this idea for like what they did was they made like a tree where choices branch out and he says something so awful like oh that's a pretty simple idea we're talking about a serious program here he's just like very dismissive because mm-hmm, he's a misogynist because he's a misogynist it's very like <laughs> Mansplaining. Yes! Yeah, he does a lot of mansplaining in this book. Yes! And it's, you know what makes it mansplaining? It's not just that he's a smart guy talking about something to a woman. It's that he doesn't bother asking her what she knows about it. He just assumes she's an idiot about everything. Mm -hmm. And when she offers non-idiot input, he doesn't listen to her or he dismisses it like it's dumb. Mm -hmm. It's very mansplaining. It's like textbook mansplaining. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's... Oh, so many things. <laughs> yeah. Marissa is pointing angrily. I'm at my phone, phone where the book lives. Where the book is. Just, I have so many, so many thoughts about about Peter um, and his inability to, like, I, I feel like um, 
toward the end when he makes those like realizations where he's like, oh, I have been a dick. Like I have been self-centered and I, I, maybe I'm going to, you know, try and be a better person. Mm -hmm. Um, and he even brings it up to Joanna where he's like, can we try again? And she's like, nah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, oh, I really screwed things up, didn't I? She's like, yeah, dude. Yeah. That I feel like was a very important lesson that um, I was very proud of at the very Yeah, end. that's like her journey. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Elizabeth because a lot of the like climactic events of this book take place without Joanna present. And they're like, they're imp- or pivotal moments that happen somehow between Elizabeth and Peter, mm-hmm. where Elizabeth is like the eyes who she sees what's really going on with Joanna and Peter can't see it. And everybody else is so caught up in their gossip that they don't really see the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a couple of scenes, like two partner scenes, where in both scenes, Elizabeth tells Peter off and kind of implicates him in, in Joanna. Joanna leaves school again eventually, and she goes to work at the cafe. Peter goes after her. like He goes to the cafe and tries to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but he doesn't. he wants to tell her that he tried her idea for the program and it worked, but I don't think he actually gets around to telling her that. But yeah, um, let me find the the two things. Yeah. Let me find that one part. Cause at the very end when he does win, which they glaze over, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he did enter the competition and he did win. Yeah. Um, and he, he wants to tell Joanna, like I did win and thanks for your suggestion and things like that. But then Joanna felt like he was trying to take it away from her in telling her that. I'll find the quote. Okay, you find it. In the meantime, I'm going to read um, from a a little bit earlier on. So everybody is hanging out at the PTA dance, like by the refreshment table or something. Um, Somebody asks about this A that apparently Joanna got on the the hard science test. This is before she's left school again, I think. Yeah. Um, Amy and Peter are standing there, too. It's like Enid, Elizabeth... Amy, Peter, probably Jeffrey, somebody named Scott, a boy named Scott, who Enid went to the dance with. Amy apparently couldn't stand hearing Joanna being complimented. You mean Joanna actually got an A on a chemistry test? She must have cheated, she said coldly. Elizabeth felt her face burn with anger. She watched Peter again to see his reaction, and she thought she saw him flinch, but he remained silent. Red flag number 10, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Amy, that's a terrible thing to say, Elizabeth said flatly. Unless you have some reason to suspect Joanna of being dishonest, you really shouldn't make remarks like that. Just like, fuck yes, Elizabeth. Tell her, you speak out when you see an injustice. Yes! (laughs) Um, Amy didn't respond, but from the speed with which she changed the topic of conversation, Elizabeth assumed she had made her point. She could tell Peter was upset, but not until they were all getting up from the table did she get an opportunity to talk to him alone. I can't believe you could just sit there and listen to her say things like that about Joanna, Elizabeth said angrily to him. Amy had wandered off to the ladies' room, Lila and her date were getting their coats, and Jeffrey was talking to Aaron Dallas about their soccer game. Peter flushed. I... I couldn't help it. I just didn't know what to say. I like your Peter voice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth was angry now. Don't you realize how much Joanna looks up to you? She's desperate for encouragement. Here she is, practically killing herself to do well. She comes back to school and risks total humiliation. And people like Amy make sure she feels rotten instead of proud of herself. And people like you... 
Elizabeth dropped the rest of the sentence, afraid she was going too far. Peter turned pale. I know what you're saying, he whispered. I've really let her down, haven't I? I just don't understand you, Elizabeth said, her aquamarine eyes narrowing. If you care for Joanna, why treat her the way you have been? And if you don't, what's the point of leading her on? Which is like, exactly! <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, dude? Yeah. I don't understand you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, exactly. Like, Elizabeth doesn't understand. Like, what? Like, Nobody understands yeah. Peter. Not even Peter. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why is he doing any of yeah. that? And then it's, like, the next scene that Peter, like, dismisses Joanna's idea about the science fair. And basically, Joanna runs away from the library and it's like, I'm never coming back to this place. It's funny how he, like, has that little bit of growth where he's, like, where Elizabeth points out what an asshole he is. And he's like, oh, my God, yeah, I am an asshole. But then he just goes right back yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, and what I really expected when I came to the end is that everything would wrap up into a nice little package where it would be like, and then everyone got together and that was hunky-dory. And what I yeah. did like is that it didn't. Yeah. That it wasn't. Yeah. And that he, toward the end, he tries to, like, make up with Joanna and, like, be like, I'm actually not an asshole. But she's, she's like, you've already proven yourself to be an asshole. And I'm over it and I'm over you. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, which... I like I just I actually put down my phone and clapped. Yay. <laughs> I was like I was like, yeah, girl, good for you. Toward the end where he's trying to so he's Joanna had left school again. She's working at the whistle stop. Um and Peter's like, Well, Elizabeth was right. I haven't been very supportive, but I'm gonna make up for it now. I'm gonna pull a like very John Cusack move. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> and I'm going to go over there and I'm going to inspire her to come back to school because of like, because whatever I'm going to say, whatever. So he's talking to Joanna in the whistle stop in the cafe she works. He says, Peter looked at her admiringly. You're really something, Joanna. I just want to tell you how proud I am of everything you've done this past month. Joanna turned serious. That's nice of you to say, Peter. I'm glad we're still friends. Peter reddened slightly. I was wondering... He fiddled with his fork. Do you have plans for Friday night? I was hoping you'd let me take you out to celebrate the science fair victory. Joanna was quiet for a moment. She couldn't help thinking that whatever Peter said, the science fair was his victory, not hers. She liked him, but she could see now that he was too wrapped up in his own achievements to be able to give of himself, at least for now. I'm sorry, she said gently, but I'm going to a concert with my sister. My dad is playing in Sweet Valley this weekend, and since he's my favorite violinist, I thought I'd make it my business to be there. And then he asked her out for Saturday, and she's like, Nope. I just don't think it's going to yeah. be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just, I was just like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I, yeah, you're so proud of her because it does seem like, well, what's going to happen is Peter's going to see the error of his ways. He's going to apologize and yeah. she's going to say, okay, fine. Yeah. But, and so it is actually amazing that that's not what happens. Yeah. And it's satisfying. It's a satisfying ending to a romantic comedy kind of that like we don't get like it's the ending that you you like hope that oh like the woman's growth can grow her away from this shitty guy and yeah. she can be happy on her own journey and we never get that i mean i know that romantic endings are nice too but like when the male lead is an asshole like this you want the, the woman to it's go actually, away like, weirdly more satisfying yeah that he's like i'm an asshole i'm sorry and she's like yeah stew in your assholeness yeah <laughs> she's made up with her family like she's she's, she's found a way oh she things. does the sweetest thing okay before we get to that i do have to read a really sick burn that elizabeth delivers to <laughs> okay. peter okay 
Um, this is after now Joanna has left school, but before the happy ending. So sorry, we're backtracking a little bit, but I just can't drop it. She says something to him about like, again, that she doesn't understand him. It's safer to stick with Amy, who you know you'll never really care about, <laughs> she says. Oh, actually, what she says is, is it safer sticking with Amy, whom you know you'll never really care about? Which I appreciate that grammar. But he says, I'm sorry Joanna's left school, but I really don't see what I can do about it. Sure, why should you worry, Elizabeth said sarcastically. You're all set. You've got your whole life mapped out. MIT, scholarships, science prizes. Why should it bother you that Joanna Porter's not going to finish high school because you and people like you never gave her the support she needed? Why involve yourself in someone else's problems when your own? She stopped trying to control her temper, then resumed. When your own are so much simpler. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Dang. And I, I, I very much felt like a whole, like, large-scale, like, global kind of political level, this burn. Like, yeah, why should you care about other people's problems? Yeah. You know? The other people's problems are complicated, you yeah. know? because, you know, it's hard being a straight white male. Who's <laughs> <laughs> going to MIT. Who's going to MIT. Who comes from the you know, Sweet Valley, yeah. obviously, with yeah. the mansions yeah. there. Oh, but the sweet thing is that... She makes this, she makes a computer program of her own practically overnight, mm-hmm. and it plays, it's like a keyboard that it plays like Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or something. It's like her mother's favorite symphony, and it's, it's like, now I am, look how I am musical. Mr. Russo has said something earlier about how music and math are really very closely related, and so it was so sweet. It was so sweet. Which is very And I true. tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cried a little bit. Aww. Uh, but it was very sweet and very I, true. I really like that she was messing around on Dad's computer. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wrote a whole program while you were sleeping. Yeah, like, which is really like, suck it, Peter. You've been working on your program this entire book. She's managed to cook one up yeah. overnight. And she's, she suggests that she might enter the contest next year, which is the real happy ending. You know, yeah. she's that confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just, I was just so proud of her at the end yeah. where she was just, um, you know, goes from this, like, mouse of a person to just understanding that uh, it doesn't matter what people say or think or whatever. I feel like she's finally gotten to that point where it's like, oh, these are just teenagers at Sweet Valley High. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. well, they're like, not I like have the a, ultimate arbiters of what's good and bad and who is right or smart or dumb or anything. Yeah, so I felt yeah. really proud that she... I really expected, and it's been many years since I've read a Sweet Valley like book, just like not one of the special books or whatever mm-hmm. like that, um, within the you know whole canon of, of Sweet Valley. So I really expected it to be a lot more trite after-school special. Sure. Um, and I guess it kind of was, but I expected it to be more tone-deaf. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are. But yeah. this one was was sort of... Not only was it not that tone-deaf, but it, in some ways it was, like, more progressive yeah. in its politics than we sometimes think of, of books like this being. Yeah. I suppose we might as well go to the part of the podcast where I ask you... If you, now having read this book, think that you are an Elizabeth or a Jessica. I, okay. (laughs) I've always believed myself to be a Jessica. I'm a Leo. So, Uh like, all of 
the things that she does is very stereotypical, like, full of yourself, <laughs> want to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always believed myself to be a Jessica. But Jessica was a bit of a coos in this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's bad. She's yeah. bad. She's just, like, uh, you know, and she's stirring up trouble because she's bored, um, which I totally kind of, I, I, I get, like, a 16-year-old girl would do. Um, but I yeah. also feel like... She stuck her nose in where she doesn't. She didn't need to be, and um, she only causes trouble. And she only caused trouble at every turn. There's usually something redeeming about Jessica, and I just maybe I just don't agree with her philosophy. Now that I'm married, I don't believe <laughs> in her philosophy of like, oh, just one boy or, or isn't good or whatever yeah. like that. I can see how she would say that, but I I didn't feel very kindred with Jessica this book. Sure. Uh-huh. There are other books that you could read where maybe you could feel your inner Jessica. Yeah. As long as we're talking um, dualities and astrology, fun fact about yours truly, Pisces' son, Leo Moon. Really? So oh, wow. a little bit Elizabeth-Jessica duality, I think. <laughs> Although I don't think that anybody would say that Elizabeth's character set is, like, most strongly Pisces. Like, I don't think that's what people would guess. But you can find it in there. I would I mean, think she was an Earth sign. I would, maybe I, like a Capricorn. They, I don't know. When are they born? Oh, right. They're the same because they're twins. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know when their you, birthday is. I'm pretty sure there's a book about it. <laughs> I think. I, I'm sure at the very least there's like a Sweet Valley Twins book, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll have to put a pin in that one because yeah. I would like to know the astrologer. They're probably born what on a cusp. The, like, yeah. Because <laughs> we know that Elizabeth was born like four minutes before Jessica. Yes. So maybe like during this four minutes, it's <laughs> like, like the, the, the shift, the, the planets <laughs> shift and realign, and that's the explanation for everything. Um, well, there was a little bit of undercurrent of what's going to happen next time. Yes. Very little. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, I, it made me want to pick up the next book, which is Rumors, right? Rumors, it's yeah. called. <laughs> Susan Stewart is a girl that goes to Sweet Valley High. Um, I don't think she actually goes to Sweet Valley High. Oh, well, I know that Gordon... I think she goes to Bridgewater and Gordon goes to Sweet Valley. That's why she was at the dance. Oh, can we talk about the dance for just a second? Yeah, we can sure we can. rewind and talk about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Why is Steve even there? <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he... So Steve goes to the dance with a girl named Eve Young, who is a friend of his from college. Yes. That's creepy. He should not be allowed to that dance. I even wrote in my notes, why is he there? Is he allowed? (laughs) Yeah, he should not be allowed at this dance. Like, and and the fact that, like, Elizabeth's like, he's probably just there to keep an eye on Kara or whatever like that. That's worse. Yeah. He shouldn't be there to keep an eye on any high schooler. (laughs) He should not be at the dance at all. No. Um, Or he could have gone by himself. Or, like, going with another high schooler is not a good solution. Although, I mean, he's only, like, 19, but still. We always had graduates at some of our dances. Well, and it was always, there, like, a little sad. Like, what are ooh. you doing? <laughs> the, wait, so they weren't there with someone who actually goes there? Because, like, if they were there with no, someone who goes sad. there, that yeah. makes sense. If they were, then that's okay. But no, sometimes if they would be, like, just no. wanted to hang... Well, because, you know, you have friends that are older. You have friends that graduate and friends that stay behind. And so you're there hanging out with your friends. And that's totally understandable, and it's not like it's not wasn't like creepy. It was just like, do, why do you? Why is this fun for you? Like, yeah. don't you have real world fun now? Yeah, but, but then that's the same argument that could be made for Joanna, yeah. who went out into the real world and you know, that's true. You know, met people of yeah. different backgrounds. My, my apologies <laughs> to any uh, Chesterton High School graduates who were going to dances after they graduated from high school. That I'm, I am sorry to cast aspersions on your 
I, I, social life. <laughs> I just, well, I, I'm not saying that, like, that's, if there's nothing to do in your hometown except to, like, you know, see your old friends or something like that, okay, I, like, go to the dance. But to bring someone from your college... Yes, that is next level weird. Like what? That is next level weird. Yeah, and they're just friends. Like and Eve understands the whole situation. Eve is the real hero here. Oh like, yeah, I want. Let's yeah. hit a book about Eve. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you drag me to your old high school so you can take a look at your girlfriend now. Yeah, and like I, I guess she wasn't really doing anything that yeah, night. Yeah, I guess I could imagine it being like, oh, we're gonna go to a high school dance. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. That'll be weird. That'll be a funny story for me to tell my like sorority sister. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, and then I watched Steve pine over his girlfriend all night. So yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think there was any real romantic uh, situation between Eve and Steve. Let's hope not. <laughs> then you yeah. gotta be Eve and Steve forever. That's cute, actually. <laughs> Eve and Steve. Well, maybe that Eve can be Steve. like some sort of future uh, YA series. Or, um. <laughs> Susan Stewart is obviously incredibly highborn, it says of Susan Stewart. Um, Lila she, takes an interest in her. Yeah. Um, but what is her deal? Does she go to a different... Does she go to Bridgewater or does Gordon go to Bridgewater? I think Gordon goes to Sweet Valley. and okay. And she goes to Bridgewater. Um, this is what happens because when you insert new characters we've never heard of into your books. Yeah. It, Sweet Valley High. I know, because, like, I can't handle another high school full of teens. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... But Bridgewater, we, this is the first we're hearing about Bridgewater. And Bridgewater gets mentioned a lot in this book because Jessica's date, Rob Atkins, he goes to Bridgewater. And... And Lila points out to her late on in the book, like, oh, if you if you have this connection with this Bridgewater guy, maybe you can get into the Bridgewater ball. Yes. She's like, what's the Bridgewater ball? And Lila's like, oh, how could you not know it's only the most important ball of the season? <laughs> well, it's in a whole nother town. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> and, and suddenly we're in, uh, like, Regency, England, and uh, <laughs> it's where all the debutantes come out, which it is, apparently. Apparently, because, you know, Susan is... You know, yeah. perfect also, in every way. It's a high school, Bridgewater High School. Yeah. So they have debutantes coming out at a high school dance. I don't. I, I maybe don't. Bridgewater is also the name of the town. Oh, so maybe there's a whole Bridgewater. Yeah. We'll find out. Hopefully, we'll find out. We'll find out in rumors. In rumors, number thirty-seven. Oh, so <laughs> would you care to tease us by reading um, <laughs> this very very lame tease to the next sure. book? The um. I'm glad we gave some context because otherwise, this would really be nothing. Okay, wait, wait. Where do I start? Literally, here? just read the thing in italics. I know this... it's. I know it's nothing, but yeah. Find out the answers to these questions in Sweet Valley High number 37, Rumors. <laughs> that has got to be the weakest tease yet. Oh, uh, but for the record, if ever you need me to tease you, the answer is always yes. Would you, would you, would you care to tease, Marissa? Yes. <laughs> yes, well, I that, would. It does sound very Jessica, actually. <laughs> Um, well, we can talk a little bit more on the bonus episode about various and sundry things. But for now, thank you so much for being here. What a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're so welcome. Um, it's my first podcast. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm, congratulations. Thank You've you. done it. I've done it. You're out in the airwaves now. <laughs> I'm broken in. <laughs> yeah, now you're, now you're an old pro. Yes. Um, gladiators, if you care to subscribe to Sweet Valley Diaries of the podcast... 
you should have done that already. Why haven't you done it? Hit the subscribe button. Um, but also follow the podcast on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries. If you'd done that, you would already have seen these great quotes from Jessica about how dating uh, around is important when you're a 16 year old. Um, I appreciate Jessica's perspective, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, thinking outside of, of herself, thinking as an older person looking back and being like, I can't believe I only dated one person. I appreciate that. That is that is definitely her mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt there. I just It's an important point though. I, so and I, I'm glad. I just want to reiterate how Jessica I am. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting from you. Yeah. All right. We'll tune in next week for a little bit more uh, about this book, which is called Last Chance. And then the week after that We'll have rumors where these questions and more will be answered. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I've got four Sweet Valley books. Two of them are special. And I'm always looking out for the one where they dive into the twins' like, history. That was oh. my favorite one. Like the like their like the Wakefields of Sweet Valley. Yeah, yeah, like the old West like There is <laughs> a very real possibility that I have two copies of one of those on my bookshelf. So really? I really yeah. like it made an impression on me when I was like <laughs> 12, 13, and I'll, I'll always remember Jessamine and Elizabeth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Those are beautiful books, too. They have, like, there's the Patmans and the Fowlers in the Wakefields of Sweet Valley. They it's do like the Patmans? Mm-hmm. They do the Fowlers? They, the Fowlers are my favorite. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole soap opera. I mean, the, the book series is already like a soap opera, but I feel like those <coughs> especially yeah. are soap opera-like.